praying for you. I'm praying for you right now. Have you ever commented this on a social media post? Today, I want to pause in that sacred moment and ponder this call to pray for one another. This is the Pause and Ponder Podcast, and I'm Susie Weber. Commenting, I'm praying for you. I'm betting we've all written that and hopefully done that many times in many situations and different needs for prayer, whether we're commenting on social media or saying it to someone in uh, in real life. It's something we do. And you know what? I just want to say it makes me sad when I see people comment or post, um, we need more than prayers and good thoughts. Now, yes, of course, there is a time for action, but but I think we, we don't want to discourage prayer. We want, don't want to discount the value of prayer. And God does call us to pray for one another, and prayer matters. There's, there's so much to say about prayer, right? But just to think about today that prayer is powerful, that we could pause and ponder this great calling to prayer and the things that God calls us to pray. So to encourage each of us to keep posting and more importantly, keep praying, I want to share a specific situation that God led me through with a specific prayer need and a specific Bible passage. And you know what else, before I get started with my story, um, I think this also applies to situations where, when, especially on sp- social media, when maybe you just get the vaguest idea of the need for prayer, like someone might even just say, please pray for me, I'm having a hard time, or wh- whatever it might be. You don't have all the details. So you might tell that person, I'm praying for you, and then you start praying, and you're like, well, Lord you know what's going on, so I just lift them up to you. And you don't really have specifics to pray. I hope that my um, pondering today and the passage I'm going to share um, will encourage you to pray more specifically, even when you don't have all the details. So what's my story? Well, this one time I had a friend who had a daughter that had walked away from the Lord. And um, so that was what I felt called to pray for, was this friend whose um, teenage daughter was not walking with the Lord, was, you know, a prodigal, whatever you want to call it. And of course, her heart was broken, broken over this. And um, so I told her I would pray. And um, I think this this passage that God led me to works for prodigals. It could work for... um, I'm sure a number of other things too. But basically, one of the things I like to do when I don't know what to pray is turn to the prayers of Paul in the epistles. I mean, there's just so many different uh, written out prayers of what Paul prayed for. And they're always a great guide to when you don't know what to pray, pray the same thing that Paul prayed and you're probably on the right track. But it also happened to be when I met, talked to this friend And I actually did talk to her in real life, not uh, just on social media. But anyway, when I talked to this friend, it was when I was in that phase that I've mentioned before of trying to memorize Colossians, the entire book of Colossians. So as I was writing it out the one day, uh, this friend came to mind and her teenage daughter. And so um, I wrote their names uh, in my Bible next to this passage because 
um, it became my guideline for how to pray for my friend and for her daughter and just their whole family. Now, a little disclaimer first. I This is not a secret recipe for everything you pray for prodigals. I would never want to insinuate that I know everything about that. Uh, not at all. So I'm not, I'm not covering this whole subject. I'm simply offering testimony to God's goodness and how he guided me to pray in this situation. So what is the passage? It's Colossians 2, 1 through 4. So I'm going to read through it and then we'll ponder it together. Here it is. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. And I, pause, <laughs> I didn't see this family all the time. I just, I happened to see them briefly one summer, but they weren't in my, um, you know, it was kind of like social media where you are talking to people that you don't see in person. So praying for people that you don't see in the flesh. And then it goes on in verse 2. Um, and this is what he prayed, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And so this was the passage that as I was writing it out, trying to memorize it, I thought of my friend. Um, it seemed to apply because Paul, like I said, Paul wasn't physically with these people and I wasn't physically with my friend, but I had felt uh, really burdened by the Lord to pray for them through this trial and I let her know that and so I felt really led um, to use this as my template as for what to pray for this family so the first thing was that it said I am in great conflict or another translation um, the translation I read was the New King James Version other versions say I want you to know the struggle I have for you and that seemed fitting, struggle. Am I willing to truly struggle in prayer for this situation? What is it like to struggle in prayer? It's work. It's a commitment. It's the muscles of Aaron and her holding up the arms of Moses in prayer. And to be called to be that Aaron and her holding up someone else in their struggle. Paul took the time in this letter to the Colossians to say, I am praying for you. I am setting aside time to pray for your burden. I am praying for your burden. I am struggling for you. So that's the first thing, the call to pray. And second, it was important enough for him to put it in this letter. So I think it is important to comment, I am praying for you. It matters to you know send that text, to post that comment, to pause and tell your friend, hey, I'm praying for you. And then, you know, I have, in the situation I'm talking about, I made it a commitment for, I don't know how long, but I did make it a commitment to pray daily 
for this family, um, for the season that God put it on my heart. So first, the call to pray. Second, let them know you're praying because it will encourage them. And third, know what to pray. And like I said before, I love using Paul's prayers when I'm in a situation of like, wow, I only have so many details. What should I pray here, Lord? Well, I'm going to pray what Paul prayed. So the first thing he prayed was that their hearts may be encouraged. Remembering that the Holy Spirit can lift, can actually lift discouragement, depression, that heaviness of soul. God can do this. God can restore hope and joy. Praying, Lord, encourage the hearts of those who are hurting, of those who have lost their way, for those who love those who have lost their way. Give them a verse that restores hope. Bring someone across their path or let them hear a song that encourages their hearts. These are all things we can pray to take their weariness and their heavy burden for their loved one and give them rest, praying that their hearts may be encouraged. And the second thing he prays for is that they would be knit together in love. You know, in these situations, when family members walk away from the Lord, there can be division and dysfunction, family problems, lack of communication, and even hurtful actions. It's true, people hurt each other. So what a great prayer. This is such a great prayer for God, by his Holy Spirit power, to knit them together in love. Bring love back into this situation. Do you know what knitting is? My mom was a big knitter, so I'm familiar with it. The stitches are woven together to create a piece, one piece of fabric. And this prayer says, knit them together. Knit them together with love. Love is sacrificial. Love is quick to forgive. Love shows mercy. Love extends kindness. This is a prayer for unity for divisions to end, and for healing to begin through love. Pray that what has been cut apart will be stitched back together, Me being knit together in love. It's a great prayer. And third, Paul prays that they will reach all the riches of full assurance there's a lot of ofs here, so stick with me. He prays that they will reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So what does that say? It's, I think that's hard to understand when you're just listening to it. That they will reach, they will hold, they will have the riches, the wealth, the resources that come from having a 100% assurance of who Christ is, of what Christ has done, that their understanding and knowledge of who Christ is and what Christ has done will be at 100%. That's what that is saying. At least that's what I, how I'm saying it. <laughs> but how does backsliding and wandering and prodigal children begin? Perhaps it's with giving in to temptation. That's probably what we think of first. But I think there's also a slipping below the 100% line. 
in their assurance of what Christ in you means. Slipping below 100% in their assurance of salvation, of what grace is, of the riches and the wealth and the storehouse of security in God's promises. Even the family of the prodigal must think at some point, must be tempted to think, this Christ in me stuff, it's for everyone except us. And that's what less than 100% sounds like. It's not for me. It's not for her. It didn't work. And it didn't take. And so we pray, not just pray, but we struggle in prayer that they might reach all the riches of this full assurance of understanding and knowledge of Christ. It's an understanding and knowledge that only God can give. We pray that they might tip the lid on that treasure box and take out one treasure at a time and just hold it. Treasures like God's mercy, God's steadfast love, treasures of a shepherd who searches for lost sheep. We pray that God will keep putting these treasures in their path in his creative ways. We pray that their eyes would be unveiled and that their souls would would be wooed back by these treasures, that they would be called back to this God of 100% guarantee. And we pray that those who love them would also know the richness of hope and joy and peace that they can hold right now while they wait the wealth in the God who keeps his promises. After these three things are prayed for, that their hearts may be encouraged, that they'd be knit together in love, and that they would know that they would reach this the richness of this 100% assurance, um, then it goes on to say, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. So the reason that he prays these things is because there are so many persuasive voices out there, and it's sure still true today, voices to distract us, to confuse, to deceive. And so we pray these first three things in order that these voices of the world will not be able to deceive us or them. Just think about that for a second. Discouragement. Division and insecurity really make us vulnerable. They put us in a dangerous position where we can be easily swayed, where there's no resolve, where we are alone. And so we ask God to intervene, and he will, and he does. He intervenes by encouraging us, by knitting us together in love, and by giving us that assurance of His, of who he is in his promises. And then verse 5 brings this all back to praying for people that you're not with. It says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So I feel this is like like a little social media post here, these, these five verses. Instead of just writing, I'm praying for you, This is what I feel like Paul would comment on a social media post of, I'm not with you, but I'm praying for you and praying more specifically. And so we can do the same thing. Even if we just post, I'm praying for you, 
then we can pause and pray like Paul prayed. We can pray that their hearts are encouraged, that they are knit together in love, and that they increase in their understanding and knowledge of the beauty, the mystery of Christ in you. Three specific prayers. Three prayers I prayed for a prodigal teenager and her hurting family. Three prayers you can pray for the people God brings across your path. And I hope that the next time you see a prayer request and type in that comment, I'm praying for you, you will pause and ponder these verses from Colossians and the power that God puts in our hands to pray for one another. Thanks for listening. I hope that as you listen to this episode, God puts someone on your heart to pray for specifically. Until next time. Thank you.